Welcome to Stronger Than Reason. Well, it's finally happened. I'm revisiting a band, and it's really a question of timing and of listener interest because I've had some requests for more about Skinny Puppy, and I guess it's because they're on everyone's minds now that they're wrapping up their final tour. Uh, In fact, they did wrap up the tour, but I understand they may be trying to set up some more shows in the fall and possibly reschedule the Pittsburgh show they had to cancel when Ogre got sick. So let's talk first about the tour. Again, this is their final tour. It coincides with their 40th anniversary. It's not clear to me if they're actually disbanding, but at least they won't be touring after this. But it's probably safe to say they're disbanding since they haven't released any new music since Weapon about 10 years ago. Uh, I imagine Ogre can go back to his solo project and Kevin can keep making dough through Patreon and selling kaiju and releasing random stuff on subconscious communications. But who knows? These guys are in their 60s, so maybe they just want to retire and sit in a rocking chair in the front porch. I mean, I don't blame them. I'm about a decade younger than them and I'm already dreaming about retirement, which seems about a million miles away. Uh, But... Given the current financial and political climate, maybe it'll never come. Again, like, who knows? But in the meantime, I did catch them on this tour, and I'm going to talk about that experience here. So if you are concerned about spoilers, you should stop listening now. But really, it's not likely you'll spoil anything because the shows are mostly over with, and it's all been documented ad nauseum in excruciating detail on the Internet. So anyway, this was the first show I've gone to since COVID, and I have to admit it was a little strange to be packed nuts to butts with a bunch of other aging goth people. Uh, I don't think there was a pit at this show so much as a place on the floor where people were gingerly touching each other. There was a lot of, oh, easy with my back, bro, (laughs) just like making sure no one got hurt. Um... The scene going into the venue was pretty interesting because everyone was decked out in their best goth gear. So a lot of like 50-somethings in fishnet, 16-hole Doc Martens, or guys with their vintage 1990 TDP tour shirts. Uh, You just know they were saving those T-shirts in the back of the closet for like 33 years. I can't throw this out, honey. I might need to represent if Skinny Puppy ever has their final tour. And who's laughing now, right? Uh, But I'm making gentle fun, but it was great seeing all these folks come out because, hell, I'm one of them. I mean, I wasn't wearing any fishnet or vintage t-shirt. I'm not really uh, cool enough to pull that off. But come to think of it, I do have some vintage band shirts uh, for Front 242 and Joy Division and Nitzer Ebb. So maybe I should have worn one. I don't know. I do have Black Doc Martens, but frankly, they kill my feet after an hour, so no way was I going to stand in them all night. I did see one dude walking across the street with an actual cane, which made me think twice, maybe, about our collective age here, (laughs) because there weren't too many young people at this show. There might have been a few, plus a few obvious sons and daughters of faithful Skinny Puppy fans, but I thought it was pretty cool to see at least a few Zoomers come out. Uh, if only out of reluctant duty to their goth Gen X parents. Anyway, I hope they enjoyed the band and the whole thing. Um, I didn't do the whole VIP experience thing. This was a deal where you paid a bunch of dough and 
got to come in early to catch sound check and to sort of chit chat with the band and whatnot. I pretty much paid for the cheapest ticket I could get, showed up, grooved out, and split. Because I had to go to work the next morning on about four hours of sleep, which was really interesting. Um, I think I mentioned before that I saw them last in 2008 in the Insolvent Sea Tour. That was the one uh, where Ogre spent the whole show dressed up like a huge smoking joint. Uh, it was pretty surreal. Uh, I really like the production values on that tour because they did a lot of image mapping onto multiple surfaces and translucent surfaces and just a lot of layering and craziness going on. It was really wild. But this show was way more stripped back. And I read that the band originally booked smaller venues, so their props and action were kind of geared toward a smaller stage. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it kind of tracks with what I saw. Uh, the stage setting was pretty minimal for a skinny puppy show. And notably, it was also very dry, because in the past, skinny puppy were known for a lot of blood and other bodily fluids, a lot of theatrics with knives and syringes and all that fun stuff, a lot of horror elements and things like that. Um, Ogre made a comment about this that, of course, wound up on YouTube naturally. And in short, he said that all that kind of visual horror was a product of the challenges he had gone through in the earlier parts of his life. And since he's in a happier place these days, the show kind of reflects that. So it makes sense and certainly can't fault him for being happy. I think that's great. Plus all that blood and stuff was kind of old news. It was sort of expected. So maybe it was time for Skinny Puppy to do something unexpected. And that's what they did. And again, I'm going into spoilers here. So turn this off if you have a problem with that. So what happened generally was Ogre sang the first couple of songs behind a backlit screen. And uh, then he eventually emerged and sang the next few under what looked like a big coat of rags. And eventually he removed his hood to expose this huge alien head mask that he was wearing that had glowing eyes. And the best part was how the eyes changed color. <laughs> Every now and then they would blink by quickly turning on, off and on. And it, it was just a great effect. And it just, I don't know why. I mean, it just struck me as funny and my buddy as funny. And we were just cracking up seeing that. Um, so throughout the show, Ogre was pursued by this other guy who was wearing something like a motorcycle helmet. And Ogre explained offline that the story kind of represented the concept of the other. I'm sure you've all read the same reviews that I've read, so I'm not going to rehash all of that here. But obviously, today's world has a lot of deep political and cultural divides, and everybody tends to cast people who are across those divides as others. And in some cases, those others get treated as less than human with obvious negative consequences. So in this story, in this presentation, Ogre is the other, and the other guy followed him around, sort of mistreating him. And I think they missed an opportunity to call this other guy Ergo, which is just Ogre backwards. You know, it's kind of the same thing like Kevin and Nivek. Also, Ergo is Latin for therefore, so you could surmise that in the presence of an other, it means that therefore this guy is going to give him a hard time. So I'm going to refer to this other guy as Ergo. Anyway, I thought it was interesting from a practical standpoint that the band had someone on stage who was strictly doing 
a theatrical performance with no music and whose job it was basically to annoy the singer. And it was also funny that Ergo started his crap during the song Tormentor, which was only appropriate. So toward the end of the show, Ergo beats Ogre with a pipe and parades around with Ogre's brain and eventually feeds the brain back to Ogre, all of which, of course, we appreciated in good, clean fun. And, of course, Ogre somehow kept singing through all of this. Um, Now, if you've kept up with the tour at all, you'll know there was a bit of a snafu at one show where they did the brain-feeding bit, and Ergo ended up accidentally yanking some of Ogre's real teeth out of his head. And to his credit, Ogre finished the set in considerable pain and went to the dentist the next day, and he said the dentist extracted four of his teeth, and they didn't even cancel the show that night. So... Clearly, this guy's a pro, and it makes you realize how sick he must have been in Pittsburgh to have canceled that show. Anyway, they came out for a couple of encores and played just about everything I wanted to hear. But let's talk about the set list. It was amazing. They played at least two sets from every album from the 80s and 90s, some of which you see here. Uh, They played a couple of the newer songs, but... It was especially cool for me to hear a couple of songs from The Process, which was their final album before Dwayne died in 1995, since there was no tour for this album. Uh, So it was neat to hear Candle and Hard Set Head. They had Matthew Setzer playing guitar and modular synth and doing some background vocals, and he just did a great job. So did my man, Justin Bennett, who killed it on the drums, as usual. I was a little dismayed to see that they had him kind of far in the back where he was sort of hard to see. I remember during the Insolvency tour, he was front and center with this beautiful burgundy kit he was playing and just was amazing. But yeah, great show overall. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the opening band, which was none other than Lead Into Gold featuring industrial legend Paul Barker. What can I say about them? Well, they were great. Uh, It was Paul and... uh, his associate Josh Holly on stage, and Josh is Paul's partner in Maleco Heavy Industries, which is the effects and synth company that they run. And in the concert, Josh handled all the synth work, and Paul did vocals and played guitar, and they had some cool backing films. And they did a bunch of songs off the new album, which is called The Eternal Present. And of course, they played the big hit Faster Than Light, which is a classic. And then they finished with my favorite track, which is Hard One Decay, which is from their previous album, The Sun Behind the Sun, that came out a couple years ago. Um, both of the new albums are amazing. I totally recommend you check them out. I really dug seeing Lead Into Gold. I did see Paul perform once before in 2016 with the Revolting Cox. He's an all-around cool guy. I understand he was hanging around the merch booth at some shows. I didn't see him there at my show but the line was like a mile long and I didn't stick around, as I said before. But yeah, cool show overall. And it did encourage me to go to some more shows this year, even though it pretty much guarantees I'll be messed up the next day. Uh, one thing that did bum me out a little bit was not seeing Ken Highwatt Marshall at the front of house. I don't know why he wasn't there. The internet being the cesspool that it is, there was speculation online that he had had some kind of falling out with the band. I hope that wasn't the case. I mean, I hope that when I'm in my 60s, I've managed to bury the hatchet with everyone and just not carry around a bunch of ill will. But who knows? I mean, things get funny when money's involved. I I have no idea. But I'll tell you that I'm a big fan of High Watt's YouTube channel. 
which I'll link to below. Uh, the guy is a production whiz, but he also has a knack for teaching. And he explains music production in a way that any layperson can understand. So if you're into making or recording your own music, I urge you to check out his channel. There is no subscription or paywall. It's completely free. And there are hours and hours of really cool instructional videos. And also, Ken is just a real character and is fun to watch. And <laughs> best of all, he's hugely enthusiastic. And his enthusiasm really is contagious. So during the, the Skinny Puppy show, I stood right by the front of house. And it would have been really cool to, to see him there. But oh well. I was also a little bummed that they didn't play Assimilate in the encore, but I can't really complain since they played another favorite of mine, which was Smothered Hope. And damn it, you can't please everyone. So the tour, of course, the show threw me back into a, a skinny puppy phase, and I went back and listened to a lot of their back catalog again. Again, most of what I know is their earlier material from remission through the process, so basically up through 1995. And I'm less familiar with the, the post-millennium material, and I think they largely skipped those albums except for maybe a couple of tracks. Um, also, I, I should point out that Kevin has a Patreon channel, so if that's your thing, you could subscribe to him for a few bucks and get all this inside dirt. He uh, does recaps of all the Skinny Puppy albums because he happened to make the one about Too Dark Park public, so I was able to watch it, and it was really awesome. I'll link to it below. It was fascinating because he not only digs into the writing and recording of each track, but he does a few demos showing how he actually performed them and what his, what his whole approach was. And that's remarkable to me because so many of these musical retrospectives fail to really dig into the mechanics and details of the songwriting process. And in my opinion, a lot of these things, these memoirs or whatever, they focus on the people and funny stories and almost never on how the songs were actually written. So I was pretty inspired by watching how Kevin demonstrated just loading up a keyboard with samples. And the quote that stood out to me is that every sample bank contains a song. And as the songwriter, it's your job to find that song. So, yeah, shortly after watching that, of course, I had to, like, put together a song using those principles. And, of course, it didn't end up sounding anything at all like Skinny Puppy, but that wasn't what I was really going for. It was just a different and interesting approach to songwriting. And I'm sure a million people have done it in the last 40 years, but I hadn't. So for me, it was fun to play around with. And, you know, that's what it's all about. It's about having fun. Um, a little bummed to read people giving Kevin crap online for charging on Patreon. I mean, the nerve, charging money for your unique perspective. <laughs> so comments I see are like, why does he have to have a paywall? And he's fleecing his fans and so on. I mean, give me a break. Uh, plenty of people are using Patreon, content creators of all kinds. And... I don't mind paying for content that I can't get anywhere else if it's something I really want. I mean, if you think about it, musicians have really gotten screwed in the past 20 years. I mean, sure, they were screwing us before BitTorrent, or at least labels were screwing us. But these days, between file sharing and COVID, it's pretty damn hard to make a living at music, unless you're one of the anointed 1% of artists with decent label support or a real road warrior who's just out there doing it for the love of doing it. 
So I can't hardly blame Kevin for using Patreon. I mean, it's not like he's forcing you, the fan, to pay. I mean, if you don't like it, don't pay. Pretty damn easy. You'd pay for his book if he wrote a book, wouldn't you? So yeah, this is the same thing. So just quit whining. Anyway, I did get more heavily into the albums Rabies and Too Dark Park. Uh, I listened to each of these a bunch of times. And then on High Watt's channel, I came across his remastered version of Rodent from Rabies, which is probably my favorite Skinny Puppy song of all. And I sort of obsessively listened to that song for a few days to the point where it was just playing in my head whenever I woke up in the middle of the night. <laughs> so there are worse things maybe than having Rodent as an earworm. Uh, but one funny thing I learned through all of that was the sample at the end is actually a voice saying, let us build a better mousetrap, which then kind of explains the song's title. And I never realized that in 30 or more years of listening to this song. So that was sweet, and it's probably something I wouldn't have stumbled across if I haven't, hadn't gone down the rabies rabbit hole again after seeing them live. So, and they did play Rodent Live, which was killer. Really enjoyed that. And Warlock too, of course, which they had to play. Uh, so yeah, since the show, I worked through that skinny puppy phase and have moved on to other things as I normally do. Uh, maybe few future episodes will focus on those things, but I just wanted to say something briefly about my experience at the skinny puppy show, probably because it'll be the last time I'll ever see them. Uh, and you know, I, I know there's a lot of interest in the show right now online and, and skinny puppy in general. So I just wanted to throw my two cents out there and a shout out to my friend T without whom I'm sure I wouldn't have even gone. Uh, it was good to get to a show with him again, post COVID get back to our usual on the road antics. There was a lot of other funny stuff that happened that night before and after the show, but I'm not getting into that. Uh, maybe someday he and I will have a, a separate podcast to get into all that stuff. Uh, yeah, keeping it professional here, but rest assured, we always have a good time. Had a lot of laughs. So there you have it, kids. The final Skinny Puppy Tour. If you didn't catch it, you might want to pray to Cthulhu that they add some shows in the fall. Because uh, if they do, I'm betting that they'll mix up the show a bit. I would very much doubt it would be exactly the same thing. But if they don't add shows, maybe that's it. 40 years of Skinny Puppy knocked in the head. We'll have to see if they release anything else, but I'm not really holding my breath. Uh, I'd be surprised, though, if there wasn't more material from Ogre, from Download, or maybe even the Tear Garden. Or, uh, you know, maybe Kevin will just continue to scrape out the vault. It'll be Brap Volume 42 with Dwayne and Ogre making rude noises into a mic in 1991. I mean, I would buy that. I don't know if you would, but I'd certainly buy it. Uh, anyway, that's all I've got for you today. A somewhat shorter and more focused episode. So if you went to the show and have thoughts about it, please leave a comment. Maybe your take on the show is entirely different from mine. And obviously, if you're listening to this as a podcast, you'd have to log into YouTube to leave a comment. But I welcome your thoughts as well. Thanks for listening to Stronger Than Reason, episode 21. Until next time, stay strong.